Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. The kids shine in Europe against Red Star and give City maximum points in the group. Then Palace parked the bus on Saturday that managed to steal a draw, leaving City with one win in six in the Premier League. A crisis or a blip? The Blues are now in Saudi Arabia for Club World Cup, and we're in the semi-final already, very exciting, against Urawa Red Diamonds of Japan. Uh, lots to talk about with my three guests. Welcome to Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hi there, Nigel. Welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And welcome also to Steve Cox. Hi, Nigel. Steve, can we just quickly to deal with Europe first? <clears throat> um, City topped the group, 100% record, and what a fantastic night for the kids. Just talk us through your thoughts on a brilliant night. I, I, I did. I think it was a really good night for the kids. I thought that they all performed really well. I think there was a tinge of disappointment, actually, with me, that we were kind of 2-0 up, and then 2-1, and then 3-2. And it kind of mirrors something we'll probably come on to talk about a bit later, but we don't seem very good at protecting a lead at the moment, which is a bit concerning, really. That said, Micah Hamilton, what's the finish? Reminded me very much of Aguero. That's the kind of finish that Aguero would have had. Or Julian Alvarez would finish in exactly the same way. Didn't look overawed at all by appearing in the first team, which actually seems to be the same amongst all of the youngsters these days. They all seem to come up without sort of being phased by it too. Oscar Bob, who's someone I've talked about quite a bit in the past, very, very assured yeah. performance and well-deserved man of the match or player of the match, as we call them these days, rather than man of the match. Um, but all in all, a good performance, tinged only by the fact that we had our Red Star to score two goals, to be honest with you. Two that I don't think they really deserved on the balance of play. That said, 100% in the group stage and we're through and we've got Copenhagen in the next round, the round of 16, isn't it, they call it? 
Right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. But Sarah, is Steve being a bit harsh here? Because, you know, it was, what, nine changes, I think, from the, from the weekend's game. A lot of kids in that lineup. Um, City had already won the group. Um, I thought it was quite a good performance. And particularly, I thought the kids shone. Um, and I was actually feeling quite positive. Yeah, we gave a couple of goals away. Uh, but a little bit different than we're playing in the league. I think it's 100% record. Come on, you can't, you can't ask for much more than that, surely. It, it, that's all true, and I, I I kind of agree with Steve insofar as I think if we if, if we weren't letting goals in in the league, we wouldn't have minded at all that they'd let two in on. I think it's just because it's it, the fear is it's all part of a pattern, and it's a pattern that's slightly starting to concern us, shall we say? Um, but that said, I had no expectations of the game on. I mean, like all City fans, I wasn't there, but I watched it um, more in hope than expectation. And and yet they delivered, I thought, a really good performance, good win. Great, I think, to go through your group and win all six games. We can think of a few other teams, not that many miles from us, that would uh, bite our arm off for a record like that. So, yeah, I thought it was a good performance. And and nice not only that the young players got a game, but that they really contributed and did not look out of place. Um, and both finishes from Bob and from Hamilton were Premier League standard finishes. They were great. And Edward, can I just chuck another name into the mix? Because obviously it's the kids who've got the headlines and Bob, as Steve rightly said, got player of the match. Um, but I thought Nunes looked fantastic as well. I mean, he doesn't get many opportunities, but uh, it reminded me of Yaya Torre on one or two occasions, sort of his sort of piercing runs sort of through the middle. But uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good performance. How did you see it? I thought it was very, very accomplished in the circumstances, a dead rubber. Yes, we wanted to have a, a perfect Champions League group, group stage, which we managed to do. Second English team ever. So another good, good accolade. Huge numbers of changes in personnel, but if you were looking at the, the team from afar, uh, you would think it was pretty much the same team that's been put out week after week because the style of play, the structure, was very much a, a pet team. And those youngsters who, who came in, uh, Mika Hamilton, Oscar Bob, and Sosoho also came on. Uh, Oscar Bob, Mrs. Timpson's new favourite, by the way. Uh, she thinks she sees a bit of Leroy Sane in him, so, uh, so that's that's got her very excited. But overall, so I is, thought... Simpson involved in these things so early on in the show, so that's great to hear. Delighted. We must get her on soon. Yes, she, she will be thrilled, and I will make sure that she gets the invitation straight after we finish this podcast. Uh, she'll have to come to a few more games, I think, to uh, get herself gemmed up. But, no, I thought there was uh, a, a, a good mix of some of the new players, like Nunes, his driving runs. That's the first time we really see him show some authority, I think, in, in the game. Uh, Kovacic looked very controlled. Grealish looked to be back to a better uh, vein of form. So there was lots of positives. I think Ortega is turning out to be a really great understudy for Edison. And I'm pretty sure we're going to see him having a bit more game time uh, as the season goes on. Yes, annoying that we keep giving these goals away. We'll come on to that a little bit more when we talk about Palace, uh, I'm sure. But I think we can be satisfied with the way Champions League has gone this season. And we can really look forward to, to the next stages, knowing that we've got a squad which has now got more experience uh, in Champions League football uh, across uh, many more of the newcomers than we had at the start. And that's only going to uh, help us, particularly when hopefully KDB and, and Haaland and, and all the other big players come back and just spreading the load a little bit as we go through the rest of the season. 
Uh, Sarah, can I just talk about a player that we've talked about before? And I suspect in the future we're not going to be saying too much about because he's not going to be a City player. I'm pretty much nailed on guaranteed. And that's someone who's scored for City from the penalty spot in that game as well. Uh, and just talk about Calvin Phillips, who seems like a lovely lad and clearly an important part of the group, seems very popular. Um, just your thoughts on maybe why it hasn't worked out for him. Um, people say he's not a pet type player, Pep doesn't trust him, certainly he's played a lot for England and he did fantastically well at Leeds, just just your thoughts on him because I'll say he's been a City player, he's had very few chances, he's scored a goal now, just your thoughts on Calvin Phillips before he does depart to wherever he ends up? It's strange isn't it because we all know that all the big clubs and City better than most actually do enormous research on players before they bring them in uh, and not just their technical ability, their fitness, etc., but their, you know, their mental makeup, their, you know, what kind of people they are, um, and and so on. So it all feels very odd that either City didn't do the research properly, or as I suspect is the case, there's. I, I remember early on there was that issue around him coming back from the World Cup overweight. I just wonder whether he did something early on which caused Pep to have a doubt. And then Calvin Phillips' emotional and mental makeup wasn't strong enough to get, you know, to go down the kind of, well, I'll prove you wrong, Pep. And so it, it just feels like it became a, a spaghetti of a relationship that just has never really properly unraveled. Because Calvin Phillips is a good player. I was, I wasn't, he, he wasn't the most exciting player we ever signed, but I certainly wasn't disappointed when we signed him in terms of. A, a, a what looked like a really good quality understudy or a replacement for Rodney Rodri in the games when Rodri needs a rest or is injured. Um, and yet, I think if we're honest, certainly in a big game now, well, it, we've had big games where Rodri couldn't play and he didn't pick him. But if he did, I suspect most of us would be quite anxious. And actually, he didn't really take his chance on Thursday, Wednesday night. He didn't play particularly well. He gave the ball away a lot. Um you know, he wasn't playing those incisive forward passes that we see Rodri play to the same extent. So I think it's, I think he's given up on City and I think City have given up on him. So I just hope he gets a move that makes him happy and, and we can replace him with somebody that's more suited to us. And it's all about confidence as well, isn't it, Edward? I think you, you see players who sort of have that confidence. He just didn't, as Sarah said, he sort of gave the ball away. He doesn't didn't seem to be on his game. Not had many chances, as I said earlier on. Do you have a, a view on, on Phillips and uh, his time at City? It's worth remembering when we signed him, he was an England regular, had a great World Cup, I think it was. And it was the Euros, yeah. Euros, I think, yeah. Just... yeah. Uh, but I was one of those who felt, yes, really good addition to the squad is probably going to get uh, quite a lot of first team football, maybe give us some solidity in the midfield there with the ability to ping passes. So it, it had lots of promise, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. I think we just have to accept it. It may well be that the, the lack of game time over the months that have gone, gone by have left him sort of out of that, not just being match fit uh, in terms of physicality, but also his despite how he may be doing well in training, it's not the same. And his ability then just to uh, switch switch on uh, and play that role at the very, very high level that's expected of him. He's still playing at a decent level, but it's just not the level it needs to be to be a, a replacement uh, or a dovetail for Rodri. Otherwise, why is Lewis playing uh, at the weekend 
uh, with Rodri. Why is Kovacic coming on uh, rather than uh, than Calvin Phillips? So uh, w- I suspect he will go in the January transfer window. Juventus have shown interest. Newcastle as well. Prefer him as we saw saw with Cole Palmer. Prefer him not to go to another club in the Premier League and then start scoring lots of goals and playing exceptionally well. But he, he's he's one of a very few. We have to remember very few big name players that we've signed that they haven't come to fruition. We've got a great track record. Occasionally, just the 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 marriage isn't made in heaven, uh, and it's probably time to uh, to put the uh, the decree nice eye out there and move on and. You can form a new relationship. Uh, anything to add, Steve, before we move on to uh, Copenhagen and our chances in the Champions League? Yeah, I was kind of hoping that Phillips would have that syndrome that we've seen with a few players where they've struggled in the first season and then the second season they seem to get it and they play a lot more often and a lot more regularly. And I think it just doesn't seem to be getting those opportunities in the second season. It's really sad because he is a nice lad and he does seem to want to put the effort in or he sort of gives the impression he wants to put the effort in, whether or not he actually is. He's obviously not convincing Pep of anything. So, you know, I wish him all the best for the future. It's it's a a real shame, but we need a player of that type, really. Um, So, Edward, City have progressed um, to the last 16 in the past six seasons now uh, in the Champions League. Um... And we've got Copenhagen, which the draw was done uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, we know that. So your thoughts on that, and probably more importantly, a lot of people are still saying, despite um, our bit of a, a blip in the Premier League, which we'll come on to, that City are still firm favourites of the Champions League. Is, is that how you see it? And, and what, do you, what do you know of Copenhagen? We're reigning champions, so we're going to have to be one of, one of the favourites. There will be others who will lay claim to having a great chance this season as well. I don't think Copenhagen's going to be one of those teams. I think it's, I think it's their debut uh, in the knockout stages. Uh, we've played them before. I think it was group stages. There was a nil-nil away and then a 5-0 easy thrashing uh, at home when we were, in those days, scoring goals for fun. They did, of course, beat Stretford uh, in the group stages, 4-3 from memory, uh, one of those sort of madcap games. So they, they've got some firepower, they've got some fire in the belly, and they won't be a complete walkover. Otherwise, why would they be in the knockout stages? But in terms of a favourable draw and some of the teams we could have been up against in the last 16, uh, we've got to be reasonably happy uh, with, with what we've ended up with. We played them away, I think, to start with, uh, with the return fixture at the Etihad. So we need to factor that in. Uh, normally, we've been reasonably good at that but we've had some as we know at the Etihad in more uh, recent times some unusual performances let's hope it's not on this occasion we'll have some big name players back as well KDB should be playing hopefully by then uh, Harland Stones so if we're at full strength over two legs we have to be very very strong favourites and then hope that we get another favourable draw in the, uh, the next round Still favourites for you Sarah as well despite the blip in the Premier League I haven't seen another European team yet that's made me think they're better than us or I would dread it if we drew them. So, you know, Bayern Munich didn't blow me away. You know, I know Real, 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 uh, all I hear at the moment as soon as the words Real Madrid come out of somebody's mouth is the word Bellingham. Um, so I, I'm just not, I'm not 100% convinced by Real Madrid. 
you could argue Arsenal might be one of the better teams, but then Arsenal have got their shortcomings, as I'm sure we might discuss when it comes to the Premier League. So, yeah, I mean, it's the trouble is it's a knockout competition. So, although it's over two legs until you get to the final, which helps because it, it reduces the potential for some one dodgy decision or strange event to chuck you out. Um, the reality is we ought to be we ought to be certainly getting to the final. Um, then you've got a little bit of, you need a little bit of luck because we all thought we'd, well, we thought Inter Milan would be more straightforward than it was. Let's let's put it that way. So, um, but let's worry about that when we get there. Who's the biggest threat, do you think, to us retaining our European crown, Steve? I would say probably Bayern or Real Madrid would be the two that I would sort of call as being the stronger ones that are left in the competition. But you can't rule out teams like Napoli as well. You know, they're kind of... Any of those teams can have a really good day. And as Sarah sort of pointed out, you know, last year we were nailed on to beat Inter Milan and that proved a lot more difficult in the final than than we thought it was going to be. And, you know, credit to them, they're a decent team. You know, they put up a really good defence. Inanna looked like a different person last year, didn't he? Um, this year he looks more like a liability. I think that we've got a relatively easy draw. and But... I've seen Stratford fans sort of saying that, you know, City once again get an easy draw, forgetting the fact that Copenhagen were the team that actually really knocked them out, if you analyse it. So, you know, they can talk about easy, but they weren't able to beat them. I think we'll probably go most of the way this year again. I think we're pretty much on favourites for it. Got to be, really. Let's bring it back then to domestic issues then. And we've kind of touched on it a few times during this conversation. Let's uh, let's tackle it then, Sarah. You're going to help us kick this one off. 2-0 at home with 15 minutes to go. And uh, we ended up with just a point. What happened, Sarah? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What happened is we've lost the ability to see out a game and control it when we want to control it. And, um, I, I, you know, a few City fans are saying this, and I agree with them. You lose a player like Gundogan, who was very good at doing that, and actually De Bruyne is another one. It, 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 I don't want to make too many excuses because there's still enough players in that team who've played at the highest level for long enough that they ought to know how to see out a game. So I don't, I don't. I certainly don't want to give the impression that well, we lost Gundogan, so now we can't see out a game. But there's there's a combination of a a lack. Of, there's there's too many defenders not on the top of the game, and then the ability to see out a game. You know, and it's obvious things like we don't. We've never just booted the ball away. Um, you know. Foden was frustrated at giving the ball away and ran back to try and retrieve the situation. Of course, give, now, fine, if that's the 27th minute, I might excuse you. Not in the 95th minute, just don't give the ball away, Foden. You're perfectly capable of holding on to it. So it was, it, it, there's, it, I don't want to say that there's something wrong because I think, I think a number of us thought that last season and look how we ended up. So, yeah, I mean, we've had, I think, and also the fact that all these draws have come one after another. 
starts to look like a pattern, which is alarming. If we'd had three wins and a draw, three wins and a draw, we, we, we probably wouldn't even be noticing them. But it's not quite right. But as I, I was saying to the guys earlier, better we have a spell like this in December than we have it in or November and December than we have it in March and April. What, what's going wrong for you then, Steve? Because we have all this possession, um, we kind of we don't put games to bed. We probably should have been more than two 0 up. We've got to give credit to the keeper who had a good game for Palace, um, but we we're not scoring. In, we're not using that possession and, and taking our chances. And then equally, as Sarah rightly says, too many defenders are having off days as well. It's kind of like the the worst type of comp, worst type of situation. I th- I think. There's two things for me. The first one is periphery in front of goal. We are not taking the chances we are creating. Even Haaland is less lethal this year than he was last year. Um, so accuracy in front of goal is the first thing for me. And, you know, even in the days of Kevin Keegan, it was a case of, you know, they might score a couple of goals, but we were always going to score far more than they were. So therefore we were going to win the game. And that seems to have kind of vanished at the moment. The second thing for me, and... I kind of lament the fact that the likes of Gundogan have gone, De Bruyne is not available at the moment. Those players were the kind of metronome of the team and they kind of controlled the tempo and they were intelligent enough to know when to go slow, when to speed up a bit. Unfortunately, I still think Foden falls foul of the the kind of wanting to play at a fast pace all the time rather than this slow, slow, quick, quick, slow that kind of breaks teams down. And I think it's just a lack of maturity, I think. You know, if we'd have had De Bruyne, Stones and Gundogan on the pitch on Saturday, we would never have lost that. Well, I say lost. We would never have lost those two goals to get Palace that point. Um, And I think we need to find that kind of rhythm somewhere again. Rodri seems to be the only person that's actually kind of dictating that rhythm at the moment. The others just seem to be moving around him and, and not really controlling the game. Diaz is a totally different player to what he was last year. Don't know what's happening with him at the moment. Uh, and, and also, Edward, it's kind of that killer pass. We, we talked about KDB and, and he's probably the best midfielder in the world. Um, and we know that he has, he sees passes that no one else sees. Um, and and we, we have that build-up, but we kind of seem to play the ball back and forward and, and across, and, and, and there isn't that killer pass into that space. Um, we're clearly missing that. Is, is there anything else for you? Steve's put it very very well in terms of we're, we're, we're not taking our chances up front, and defensively we're, we're, we're not great either. So it's the worst type of combination. What, what can you add? What are, what are you seeing that we're not seeing? Well, some great observations by, by everybody, and I... I in accord with with all of them you look in the last 10 premier league games just to give my statistician uh, profile a little bit of an airing uh, the last 10 premier league games this is the eighth time we've conceded in the final 20 minutes and that's astonishing uh, it, it's not always been uh, f- uh, sort of faithful for us but for games with palace liverpool chelsea spurs it has bournemouth it wasn't but belgrade it wasn't but it's it's a it's a very very concerning pattern, which particularly for someone like Pep, who thrives on control and patience, and uh, as, as Steve said, to be able to change the tempo when you need it throughout the game, it, it raises a number of questions about what why it's happening, but also what we do about it. If it's a mentality issue, uh, then that's much harder to resolve. 
And when you have players like Bernardo Silva, who you would have hoped in that game against Palace, as well as he, he played generally, and he does almost every single game, he was the one who was part of that move that led to the penalty, uh, didn't hold on to the ball. And that was perhaps a moment where the, the, the maturity that he should be able to bring to the team should come to the fore. Lewis, actually, probably one of the youngest on the pitch, in many ways, showed a, a lot more maturity than uh, some of the older players. I thought he was the standout player uh, for City. But we don't seem to be able to con- control this this lead. Uh, the, and we get rash, we get sloppy, almost like we don't quite know what to do. And without the likes of Gundogan there sort of leading the way, we end up in this sort of halfway house of, do we keep trying to score a goal, but not really? Uh, and when you then got a bit of fragility at the back, uh, it creates confidence for the opposition. And for, from Palace's point of view, but they couldn't believe their luck. They came with a game plan, s- put everyone behind the ball, uh, see if we're still in the game with 15 to 20 minutes to go, and then we might chuck someone else on up front and, and break a bit. And lo and behold, we we crumbled. So it, it's, it's very, very disappointing, but I think it is rectifiable in as much as uh, we've seen us go through similar phases before uh, in a different situation where it wasn't conceding late goals. It was goals throughout the game where there were very similar goals that we conceded, where it was on the break, straight down the middle, few passes and in our goal, probably the first shot on target that the opposition had all game. We've managed to, to resolve a lot of that last season. Uh, but the others are right. When you've got the likes of Diaz just really off his game, uh, a Defence, which is rotated, I think, a little bit too much. Gvardiol, who, as much as he's he's good at going forward and goes great on the ball, hasn't got the uh, the, the 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 experience and the nows needed to be able to control that left side more effectively. We've got some conundrums there uh, that, with the present squad, are going to be harder to resolve, especially when you look at a bench which is less experienced. Pep didn't bring anyone on on Saturday, uh, even when it was two one. We could have seen someone come on to help help control the game a bit more. He's looking at bringing stones on, but that was way too late in the game. So uh, lots lots to ponder, but I, I do think that there will be a way that Pep will try and address this that will give us a better platform for the rest of the season. But let me be controversial then, um, and I think you might know what's coming next because it's rare. Rarely I get the opportunity to question uh, the man himself. Uh, we've talked about lots of issues, but we haven't really talked very much. You've just mentioned maybe you could have brought stones on a bit earlier. Um, but let's just talk about Pep for a minute then, which we've really not done in the last seven or eight years, I suspect. But some people are starting to say, well, you know, you've got to look at the manager. If, if we're losing this, if we're not taking our chances, if we are defensively naive, if we are losing leads in, in the last few minutes of games, we have to look at the manager and it's his tactics, his motivation of the team. Um, so let's do that. Let, let's have that conversation. Um, let, let's understand more about what our views are about the man who in the past, we've always given him the credit uh, when we've won things, he's the best manager that we've ever had. Um, we won the treble, and it's all down to Pep and the way he has reinvented that side. Surely he's got to take some criticism now, hasn't he, Steve, in terms of he hasn't motivated them well enough. There's a bit of complacency people are starting to mention. Um, it's not good enough. What, what, what responsibilities does Pep take on this? If we look at Saturday's game, it was going well until the last 15 minutes. So I don't think there was a lack of motivation throughout the game. I do think he got the players up for it and they were in the right zone. Yes, we probably could have scored more and made more of the chances that we had. I think there's sometimes a reluctance from Pep 
to actually make changes. And I think that's the thing that I worry about, really. We, we, we look at it, it, I think it was Edward that said that Stones was kind of, he was looking to bring Stones on, but there wouldn't have been enough time for Stones to have really had much of an impact at the time he was bringing him on. And I, I think he needs to be considering it at about the 70th minute. Um, if we're looking a little bit lightweight, if Palace are starting to get a little bit of um, control over the midfield or they're starting to break out a bit more, then we've got to look about how we stifle that and change that system, you know, tweak it a little bit earlier, maybe give a bit more control by bringing Bernardo back into the centre rather than leaving him out on the wing where he, you know, really wasn't as effective at the weekend as he sometimes can be. He was very good in the first half, but he never managed to get past his um, opposition number once, I don't think, at the weekend. So... Why Why aren't we reviewing that? Why is Pep not making those changes? He's sometimes, you sometimes see him in conference with one man and you're not always sure what they're necessarily saying, but they do seem to be having a conversation about the structure and where the game is actually going and then nothing happens. And I'm, I'm a bit amused by it sometimes, actually. Um, you know, maybe we haven't got the right players on the bench to bring on at the weekend because we're a little bit light on the players that he would want to bring on and certainly not Phillips by the... <laughs> by the look of it, even though Phillips was on the bench. I don't think he ever contemplated bringing Phillips on once, but you might have been able to stiffen up that midfield and give Rodri a bit more support. OK, so Steve's sitting on the fence then, Sarah. He's not willing to uh, come out and openly criticise that. He's talking about... I did. The... I did. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Sarah will be far more forthright in her views of uh, Pep Guardiola and his failure to see his... <laughs> Failure this season with Manchester City, who are floundering below Aston Villa in fourth place in the Premier League. What a disaster it's been. Well, I, I know you're trying to double the number of people that listen to the podcast, Nigel, with some controversy that might make it might headlines in a sports radio station or a sports TV station. But um, if you come to me first, I was going to say it's the most ridiculous question you've ever asked me. And, and, and for this reason... So Pep Guardiola is, is human and he makes mistakes and he's admitted in the past he made a mistake in the final of the Champions League in 2021. There's been a couple of other games. He's made mistakes. He's not put the right team out or he's not changed it when he should. Um, and, and he will no doubt continue to sometimes make a mistake. But the idea that he we should be seriously be questioning him as the manager of Manchester City is totally ridiculous and actually if we win nothing this season he'll still be the greatest manager that I've ever had the the, the pleasure and the privilege of of witnessing the football that he and his team has put out so um yeah I, I I'm sure sometimes he's a bit stubborn I think he's probably frustrated because they wanted Pakatar they didn't get him he's left with Phillips and we all just had that conversation about the fact he won't he doesn't want to pick Phillips I think if he had a Pakatar or somebody else it, that midfield would probably look quite different in some of the games, either from the start or through substitutions. Um, uh, so, I, you know, I'm as frustrated as every other City fan with what's happened over the last few weeks, but not to the extent that I question Pep Guardiola's ability to be the best manager we could possibly have. So if I paraphrase uh, Edward what Sarah said, because Pep Guardiola in the past has won lots of trophies and we won the treble... But he's untouchable and he's brilliant, even though, hold on, Sarah, even though, I didn't interrupt you, even though he's having probably his worst season with Manchester City, uh, to be in this situation with this number of points after this many games, it 
not up to the standard. And he surely has got to take some criticism. Are you willing to criticise him? Are you willing to question maybe his motivation? Um, what's, what's, something's gone wrong and we haven't talked about him. We're talking about players, we're talking about players who are gone. We've talked about Phillips isn't good enough. What about Pep Guardiola? What do we need to say about him, Edward? Well, if you look at the facts, Nigel, you're right in as much as this is the worst points tally we've had after 17 games exactly. since 2016. So we're on 34, are we? Yeah. And the best we've had is 49 one season, which uh, is quite incredible when you think about it. But I think there's a number of things that you have to also factor in, which is the environment in which Pep's working in. And he's now gone through a number of incarnations of the City team. He's reinvented it, sort of Ferguson style. And he still managed to, despite the fact that there have been those changes uh, in the team, and also a, a changing environment around him to find a solution. And I think that's what Pep thrives on. He likes the challenge of finding a new way to succeed and developing the game of football in the same breath. And if, if you do like I do, Nigel, and watch a bit of uh, League One or League Two football on a Friday night, uh, if uh, if I'm allowed, you'll see they're all play, trying to play like Pep has taught his teams to play over the last 10 years with the, the passing rather than booting it up. They, they do that sometimes, but they're trying to play it out from the goalkeeper, out the back, create patterns and space and, and all the rest of it. So his influence on the game is immeasurable. Now, does that mean that he is going to have uh, a right to win the Premier League this season? No. And we know that he's going to be up against it based on what we've seen in the last uh, six or seven games, plus the fact that there are more opposition uh, against us who are serious contenders in the shape of uh, Arsenal, Liverpool and the surprise package of Aston Villa. But I actually think Pep's going to thrive on that. Uh, and he's certainly had no problem motivating his players over the years to get up for whatever game is that they've got uh, ahead of them. Uh, in terms of any criticism, I think Sarah's point about stubbornness uh, and Steve's point about, uh, on occasions, why we're we not seeing him use some of the, the, the bench to shore up uh, midfield. I, we could have brought a Kanji on, for example, uh, yesterday to, to help in, in that regard. Yes, I think that's about the, the, the height of the criticism that I'm prepared to uh, throw back at him, Nigel. But, uh, you know, let's, let's face it, uh, if, if Pep had not come into our lives, come into our city family, uh, we would uh, have not had probably the most uh, incredible experience a football fan can have from where we were to where we are now. So, yes, we always want more because that's we only remember the last game rather than the last season or the last 10 years. But I have every faith that he will still be able to get us back to the top. And the fact he wants to stay at City to do that re-motivates me as much as anyone, anyone else. So if we're not prepared to criticise Pep, uh, what about the leadership on the pitch then? Because that's something that's also been mentioned as well. That, you know, we can think of the Vincent companies and the Fernandinos and, and, and those personalities, those characters that really showed some leadership on the pitch. Are we maybe missing that a little bit? Is that also part of it, Sarah, as well, would you say? Is that something maybe we could cling on to and say, actually, thinking about it, you know what? I can't think of many leaders on that pitch who saw us through that last 10 minutes to hold on to that lead? I think there is something in that. Um, and I, you know, Walker is not dazzling us at the moment. And, um, I mean, on paper, Walker looks like a good candidate to be a 
captain and he's certainly part of the leadership group, isn't he? But I think the problem is the ones who are probably the most uh, obvious vocal players on the pitch to be captain are out of form. And that's particularly with Diaz, to a lesser extent, Walker. Um, obviously, De Bruyne is not playing, so that's another one who perhaps might have, have carried out that captaincy role. Um, Rodri, uh, I don't has Rodri ever captained the team? Perhaps in a, I'm not sure if Rodri's ever captained the team, but it, it, there's obviously there's something, because you think in Rodri's position, it'd be an obvious shoo-in for a captaincy role. But yes, I, th- I, I mean, in answer to your question, I think there is something in that around a lack of leadership in the way that Gundogan gave it to us, Fernandinho gave it to us, company gave it to us, um, that is probably not helping, but I don't consider that an, an explanation as to why we've let in so many goals after 80 minutes. Edward, leadership on the pitch, something that you can maybe have your hat on a bit and, and recognise that might be an issue? Yeah, we, we have this sort of five-man leadership team. I don't know, they'll, they'll vote for who who's going to be in it. And in more recent seasons and a few further back, I used to sort of know who those five were. I'm not 100% sure who they are this season. I know Diaz is in there. I know Walker's in there. Probably De Bruyne as well. But I, I don't know. And Diaz seems to me to be the obvious person just from his personality. He's a bit of a warrior uh, to, to, to play that role. But it, I don't think it's helping at the moment that he's he's not performing on the pitch, as Sarah said. So that there is a, a bit of a a vacuum there where normally we would have someone who would come forward in those moments where we've conceded a goal, we need to consolidate, we need to uh, sometimes just show a bit more patience uh, when things aren't going our way, where there are those that have been through that and can then inject it through the team and and understand when they're needed and when they need to shout, shout about it. So yes, there are people who could and possibly do do that, but I, I think we've had better leadership in the past and clearly that therefore has to be a factor you've got to bring into play when we try and work out why we aren't performing to the highest level for 90 minutes. Uh, there seems We seem to have hit on something here, Steve. Would you agree that leadership on the pitch might be something that's lacking with the reasons that the two guys have already given? Yeah, I think it, it, it does feel a bit weak at the moment and it, it does kind of sit around that point that we were making earlier where we were talking about the um you know the 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 pace of the game the mentality that kind of that whole kind of feel just doesn't seem to be right at the moment um there was would have was an ideal player in the crowd on saturday to have come on and sorted it out that was fernandinho if we could have dragged him down and got him to wear a blue shirt again that would have um, that would have fucked their ideas up a little bit but we don't seem to be kind of there with it at the moment i think rodri is part of that five man team this year but he never comes across as being particularly vocal and that's the thing that I've kind of noticed on that he's not warrior like like Diaz he is an exceptionally good player always does his job very well and turns up at, 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 in the right place at the right time but yeah I think there, there's just a bit of a weakness a fragility about it at the moment and it's not being corrected by those on the pitch and we're also quite a young team at times you know that's the, that's the other thing is that it's having that maturity and, and that ability to be sort of stiff and say right okay let's turn it around let's let's just control this game for the next half an hour and you know in the past we always got to 2-0 right. and that was it we'd, we'd win the game 
I'm keen to briefly talk about the Club World Cup before we go, uh, and I mean briefly for all the reasons you'll understand. Um, but before we do that, let's we talked about the Champions League and so on in terms of City being favourites. Let's just think towards the end of the Premier League season then. Not often we're looking above 14, three teams above us sitting there in fourth place, and one of them being Aston Villa, who we've already discussed on the show a couple of weeks ago, were absolutely brilliant against City, of course, at Villa Park. Um, Chances for the league then, Edward? Do you, do you think this is probably now it's less likely and, and teams are better than us, or should we just not sort of sort of count? Should we just kind of wait for a, a run of twenty-five games in, in January and February to come through? What, what, what's your view of City's chances for the league this season? Well, if you look at the odds at, down the bookies, then we are still favourites, and that goes against the fact that we are the current champions. Won the last three. And we do go on these amazing runs from post-Christmas uh, through to the end of the season. We've got a great track record. But uh, if you were to base it on the last six, seven games, we're going to struggle. So my my best guess, Arsenal, Liverpool, Villa, they're not all going to be going on these big runs. They've all got their own fragility uh, and issues. We saw that with Liverpool at the, at the weekend. Villa are, are still in this very rich vein of, of form. But they're going to they're going to slide away at some stage, whether it's through unfortunate injury or just a loss of form. So, if we are going to win it this season, I think it's going to have to we're going to have to uh, go on one of those tremendous runs. Also, against the big four, five, six teams, we've got to start beating them. Uh, we can't keep drawing and losing against them. If we are going to win, it's going to be tight. And it's going to be one of those squeaky bum seasons. But we, the main thing is, is that when it gets to March, early April time, if we're in there and we're within a point or two of the top, uh, then I would expect us to go on and win it. But we're, only, we're not even halfway through the season yet. So there's still a huge amount of football to be played. If we get to full strength for the new year, then uh, and we can get back into gear, click, uh, get, that, to get the leadership uh, sorted, and I think we can uh, get Haaland back back into uh, his uh, shooting boots form. We've got every prospect, but I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park by any stretch of the imagination this season. Is he still favourites in your eyes, Steve? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you've only got to look at the games coming up. Arsenal and Liverpool play each other this coming weekend. They're most likely, well, someone's going to lose some points there. They're either going to draw or one of them's going to win. So someone's going to lose some points. I think that we are not that far behind either of those two sides in points at this particular sort of stage of the season. And therefore it's not insurmountable, which is why I think the bookies are still sort of making City favourites because we've closed bigger gaps than that before. Sarah, City for the league. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I just don't see any of those, th the three teams that Edward mentioned, he might throw Spurs in the mix as well. I just don't see any of them. Definitely none of them are better than City. So, yeah, we're having a blip at the moment. We're five points off the lead. As, as Steve just said, we've closed down bigger gaps. We're not in the bit of the season where we usually play best. Um, I won't go through the frailties of all those other teams, but they've all got them. Uh, and the one thing that they definitely haven't got that we've got is the know-how and the experience of what it's really like in the, the middle of April when you cannot afford to drop any points and you're playing away at Crystal Palace and you go one goal down, et cetera, et cetera. It, that's the bit that is still unique to us. And I think 
assuming we stay in touch, that's the bit that will potentially win us the league in May. Well, let's finish on a high then. Let's finish with the Club World Cup, Sarah. And on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you? I am actually secretly quite excited because it, we've never won it before. We can chant we're champions of the world for at least one season. I, I, if we win it once, I really won't be bothered again. Um, but I think actually in light of the form we've just been talking about, it's probably going to do them good to have a change of scene, go away, get some warm weather. Um I mean, I might review that opinion if we lose, because that won't do our confidence any good. But um, I think, yeah, let's go and enjoy it, hopefully win it, put it on the CV, and then not worry about it too much after this. Is that fair, Edward? So you're nodding in agreement there, I think, with Sarah? I'm quite looking forward to it. Uh, this is the year to win it, because it's the last year that the Club World Cup will just be a semi-final and final for the likes of City, because next time in... June, July 25, when it's going to happen uh, for the for the following uh, occasion. That's going to be 32 teams, 12 European teams, seven matches to win it over a month, uh, which seems ridiculous uh, when the need, that's meant to be off-season. So, yes, let's win it this time. Pep's won it three times before, twice with Barca, once with Bayern, and the Champions League winner has won it the last 11 times. So it would be a little bit disappointing if we weren't able to get through past Red Diamonds, the Japanese team, and then either Fluminese or El Ali, the Brazilian and Egyptian teams who are, I think, uh, currently playing the, the other semi-final. So, yes, uh, it could be a good confidence boost. Uh, let's become champions of the world. It's the last thing to tick off the list, isn't it? And uh, happy Christmas. Champions of the world, eh, Steve? Sounds good to me. Sounds very good. Um, yeah, we should be able to do that. I mean, come on. Red Diamonds, we beat them 2-0 last time we played them somewhere back in the middle of the 90s, something like that. Um, no, I think it it would be good. I wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't win it because it's really not top of my list. But how good would it be to be European and world champions in the same year? Absolutely fantastic. It would be brilliant. Thank you very much to my four guests, to Sarah Messenger, Steve Cox, uh, and Edward and Mrs. Timpson. Uh, this is Nigel Rothman saying thank you for listening. <laughs> Very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.